lovebirds and wistful worms. Stretch out your heartstrings, get totally twitterpated, and shall I compare thee to a summer's day? <sighs> it's time to talk tall to me. It was the first part of theremin. Yeah. It was a love ghost. Oh, okay. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast. I am Omen Thomas Said. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moans. And this, my sweet little cherubs, is Talk Tall to Me. A romantic rollick in the hidden bower of Prog Rock, in which sweet nothings, Nick, and Head Over Heels Omen will write a thousand love poems to each and every track that red-faced rock band Jethro Tull have ever declared from the rooftops. From the flirtations of Fat Man all the way to the heartfelt hastenings of Hot Mango Flush, we will profess our profoundness for David Peggy, giggle girlishly over Andy Giddings, and blush at the mere thought of Martin Lancelot, Knight of My Heart Bar. And if our sonnets are succulent and our pink pumps are polished, we may just thaw the cold, dark heart of the immovable innovator, the stoic Scotsman, the unfeeling fisherman, a man whose cold shoulder has been measured to within a thousandth of a degree of absolute zero, Ian Senior Blues Anderson. <laughs> Senior Blues? It's actually a reference to a Taj Mahal song. Oh, okay. Senior Blues is what they call him. Senior blues is what they call him. Do you like Taj Mahal? I don't know Taj Mahal at all. Well, this isn't Taj Mahal Talk to Me. <laughs> Correct. It's not. It is not. You're right. It is, in fact, a monumental day here at Talk Tall to Me. And Nick, the monuments of marble that we will be polishing today are made of what? New album. I got the vaccine for monuments. Thank you. I will not catch catch that. (laughs) We are breaking into Catfish Rising today. OMG. I'm so excited about this. I love Catfish Rising and I'm ready to love it to everyone else. I was telling Raven this story and she was very nonplussed about it. But this album is, this is an important album in our relationship, I think, because I feel like I brought benefit to the table of our relationship and you brought catfish to the table of our relationship. Oh, interesting. Yeah, this is one that I was more, I was always more into and Mm -hmm. and would discourse at length about. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Just some quick album facts. It reached... Peak position of 12 in both Norway and Switzerland. Topped out in the UK at 27. Okay. It was released in 1991. US Billboard, it was in the top 100, so it was a peak position of 88. So remember, the last album was 89. This is a two-year break. Right. Or a one-year break, I guess. Right. Released on the 10th of September, 1991. And in terms of personnel, Mm -hmm. it's all the usual suspects. Ian Anderson on vocals, acoustic guitar, electric guitars, acoustic mandolin, electric mandolin, flute, keyboards, drums, and percussion. Martin Barr on electric guitar. Dave Pegg on acoustic bass and electric bass. Don Perry on drums, percussion. And then we have an entire cavalcade of keyboarders. 
That's right. Key waterboarders. <sighs> Tell me what you know. C minus. <laughs> C minus. <laughs> C minor, I guess. That's the one. Yeah. We have Andy Giddings, Foss Patterson, John Brundrick, and Matt Pegg. Well, Matt Pegg is bass guitar. Right, you are. Yes. As is Scott Hunter, who is not uh, bass guitar. He's on drums on track five. <laughs> well done. <laughs> so Andy is keyboards on one, four, and eight. Foss is keyboards on 10. John is keyboards on 11. Presumably, if we hear it on any other song, it's Ian. I would imagine. Is my guess. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of Ian, we do have uh, a little introduction to this album from the beautiful book, Silent Singing. Yes, yes. Which I shall now read. Read it unto me. Andrew Giddings joined the band as keyboard player for some of this album and was to stay on for the next few years. I returned to playing some electric guitar and mandolin, along with electric and acoustic mandolas, for a little variation on what shaped up to be a more contemporary blues-based record. The lyrics frequently follow boy-girl relationship themes, and that in itself is relatively unusual for me. Still Loving You Tonight is possibly the closest thing to a blues song since the earliest album this was. And no, Roll Your Own is not a song about rolling giants. <laughs> Rocks on the Road is a road song of hotels, travel, and desolate cityscapes. White Innocence is a close cousin of Budapest, another lesson in Look, but don't touch. Or as I like to say, 16 will get you 20 years in prison. <laughs> the vocal styling is borderline American speak. But again, I am in character to an extent within that blues-influenced material. I don't really sing the blues very well, but sometimes I have drifted into the vernacular. Hopefully, knowingly. And for good reason. Have you ever seen that show? Uh, I think it's... Okay, you're going to have to help me out with... Because I know you know what it is. The guy who was the... Ricky Gervais. Mm -hmm. He was in a show that was about extras. It's called Extras. Okay, it's called Extras. <laughs> have you seen the scene where he talks to Ian McKellen and Ian McKellen is like... It's brilliant. <laughs> How do I act so well? <laughs> it's very, very good, yeah. I just love his description of being in character. Ian's writing reminds me of that. Well done. Well done. Good reference. Yeah, that's, I, I can see that. I can see that. I'll see if I can find a snippet of that because that's a very good scene. I'm not an American, but I imagine myself. What would I, how would I say it if I was? I am not a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I, I can see you're confused. <laughs> how do I act so well? What I do is I pretend to be the person I'm portraying in the film or play. Yeah. You're confused. No, it's perfectly simple. A case in point, Lord of the Rings. Peter Jackson comes from New Zealand and says to me, Sir Ian, I want you to be Gandalf the wizard. And I say to him, you are aware that I am not really a wizard. I've got a quote from Ian too from one of my tall mags. Oh, a rather good collection of songs, but at a time when Tull weren't exactly in fashion. Some people felt it went back to our bluesy bass, maybe too much for one reviewer who referred to it as Cod Blues. 
cod. Oh, I guess geez. the fish because of the fish reference. I guess. Yeah, because cod is a distinctly English part, of, distinctly part of English culture. That's racist. Cod blues. This is not love. Still loving you tonight and rocks on the road stand out for me. Mm. A lot of this was recorded alone in my studio with overdubs from Martin and Dave Pegg. Wow. Wow. The worst thing about the record was the album cover. Too much black, too much spinal, no space to sign autographs with a black Sharpie. Fascinating. I was literally about to tell you as soon as I could get a word in edgewise that this is my favorite cover of any Jethro Is it album. really? I love it. I think it's so gorgeous. It is. It's really pretty. You're right. It's a lot of black, but it is, it is really pretty. Oh, they make white Sharpies. They make paint pens. Right. Well, they, maybe they didn't in, in 89 or in 91, rather. Maybe that's why they made them. They started making them. They're like, what can we write on this album cover with? Wait, do you have the actual vinyl? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's so gorgeous. It is really pretty. The color choices and everything is, is really lovely. Oh, what else did Ian have to say about it? That's it. That was the end of the, the quote. Yeah. Well, we have a lot to talk about with this album in general, which we will no doubt space out over the course of the next several weeks. Until then, Nick, shall we get into the first of some 13 tracks? 14 with this uh, with a surprise bonus on there. But yeah, this is a hefty one. So we should dive right in. And we're not we're not skimping on time here. We're jumping into the four minute long first track. This is not love. Nick, I'm insane. That was not love. That was not love. That was, this was not love. This is. This was that. That was not this, but this is not love. That song rocks. Oh God, that's such a good song. Merciful. The thing that I love about this album is that whereas so much of listening to Tall can be a somewhat intellectual experience, this goes straight to my lizard brain. It just goes right to my root chakra. And I'm just like, oh, yeah. Maybe it's the American in me. I've been trying to get it out for years. But um, there is something just very visceral about this album and about this sound that we hear right off the bat. Yeah. It's a hell of an opener. What a way to start this album. Holy cow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This would not fit well anywhere else on this album as well as it fits right here. It does the same sort of thing that Steel Monkey does. Absolutely, yeah. If you look back to Crest of an Ape, which mm-hmm, is, mm-hmm. it just kind of shocks you. It's like dunking your face in a bucket of cold water Yeah, in the morning. Cold monkeys. Yeah. A cold monkey water. Yeah. It's like tipping your monkeys in a bucket of cold faces. That's it. That's it. You got there. You got there. Well done. This album was a copy burned from you. I believe. I believe you gave me a copy of it. And I know we've discussed this on the podcast before, and I'm pretty sure Chrissy has discussed it in the Discord before, that this album is one of those that is forever burned into my mind where the first 10 seconds of this song skips. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Especially with that drum intro, that do-do-do-do-do. Yeah. But it also skips and goes back, so it's extra long of that drum intro, basically. Oh, funny. And I can't hear it in situ without thinking, oh, it's going to skip, because that's part of the song. Yeah, it's funny. 
how technology has imprinted our individual experiences. That's something that I think we've, well, I guess that was the digital age, but I guess that, you know, in the, in the era of streaming, that's something that we've lost a little bit. It was still a physical media at the time. That's true. Yeah. Don Perry serving it to us, piping hot with those drums. Oh my goodness. Love it. The bass came in. And I was like, oh, Dave Pegg is really basing it to us. He's really very fluid. And then I realized that is not Dave Pegg. It's Matt Pegg. It's Matt Pegg, who is... His son, right? The son of Dave Pegg. Wow. Who was 20 years old when he laid down that track. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. The bass in this song is great. He plays on three tracks of this album. He plays on This Is Not Love, Rocks on the Road. Nice. And Still Loving You Tonight. Three incredible tracks. Yes. Wow. He's part of a band, has been part of a band since 93, so two years after this. Mm. In Discord, people bandy this name about Procol Harum. Procol Harum? Okay. I've never heard them. I've heard the name plenty of times before, but... He is in that band. Oh, in 67, they wrote A Whiter Shade of Pale. I know that song. In 67? Yeah, I guess he joined well after that. Goodness. What were they called again? Procol Harum. I have to get checked for Procol Harum when I get my colonoscopy. Yeah, I mean, you might as well get it done. If, if he's up there, he might as well do everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. The thing that I love about Matt Pegg's bass playing is that it has that fluidity. It has, there's this sense of the notes, they're distinct, but they're tied into one another. It's a little bit legato. And so you get a sense of oiliness from mm. it, which I just adore, especially for this song. And, this, and yeah. it sets the mood for this album. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It's curious to think about after the fact, when you go into the album, you're not like, okay, well, this person is doing this song and this person is doing this song, but we have that, we have the benefit of breaking it down every step of the way so we can hear it and really nitpick it. Absolutely. And it's going to be a, a really interesting experiment here to try and pinpoint like, oh, that is yes. a Matt Peg bass, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm curious to see if we can really remark on the differences. Mm -hmm. Also on this track, we have Andy Giddings for the first time. On keys, Andy Giddings. On keys. Just giving us wonderful organ sounds. Yeah, I love the organ. Kind of takes us back into that blues feeling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a bit of a blues feeling with this, but it's not pure blues. It's, it's much more rock and roll. It's pretty rocky, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are... Like Ian and plenty of people have said, like, this is a very bluesy album, I would say, thinking about some of these songs coming up. But this song is kick you in the face with a jackboot made out of rock and roll. Yeah. And, you know, rock and roll as a form gives everything that it has to the blues. Yeah, right. Everything that is rock and roll was at one point the blues. You know, it is, it is a direct descendant. Sure. We have some great Ian harmonies. Oh, when he first sings, well, how come you know better than me? We get about a three-part harmony from Ian, which is lovely. How come you know better than me that this is my love? He 
goes deep in this one. And it's when you get that bass line in the How Come You Know Better Than Me, it's really fun to sing to. For those yes, of us uh, yes. with a lower voice, I just drop the yeah. register. And it's like, oh, that's very comfortable. I don't have to strain at all. Yeah. Like a warm, sinking into a warm soup. Warm tomato soup. Even when he's hitting high notes on this one, Ian is very comfortable, barely strained. Even when he hits that falsetto, yeah! That is high. Powerhouse. It's great. Yeah! He's doing something interesting right off the bat vocally with this. He is enveloping a huge range vocally. Mm -hmm. He's kind of doing a little bit of, he's in vocal territory that reminds me of both Bob Dylan and Tom Waits. Oh, interesting. Just in, in the kind of character that he's putting onto it. There's a little English on there. There's a little dirty grunge. Yeah. All these nights playing precious games. Okay, I see it. All these nights playing precious games. He's taking on, you know, the kind of that role of the, the rough American. Mm -hmm. That's great. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's fun. That yeah, his yeah, reminds me of the yeah from Won't Get Fooled Again by The Who. Oh. Yeah! I'm not familiar with- You have to know it. You have to know it. I'm, I'm sure, sure you've I heard do. it before. Yeah. It's very reminiscent. So speaking of this whole kind of grungy American blues-oriented feeling, Martin's- Playing sounds like he salvaged, he like made a guitar out of scraps he salvaged out of the abandoned Chrysler factory in Detroit and just like <laughs> welded it together with a with the devil's own glue stick. It just is howling. It's amazing. Yeah, they wanted that true American feel and what better way to do it than create your own guitar out of that detritus. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but it's so, I just, you know, there's nothing, there's not a limit to the nice things we could say about Martin's playing. Yeah, the guitar in this is disgusting and fantastic and lovely. We get flute eventually. We don't start out with a, a whole lot of flute. We got to wait for the breakdown. But he does, right before the yeah, we do get this, yes, yes. this like strained flute. Yeah, it's at about 54 seconds. And it's as if he, he starts playing a note on the flute, goes into that flute throat singing, mm -hmm. and then transitions pretty seamlessly from that into the yeah. It's impressive. It's a really interesting sonic journey to kind of transition from the flute to the voice through that mix territory. One of the things that I remember from my days in wind ensemble at Mexico high school was thinking that, you know, there's some people who can play notes and there's some people who are really good at putting tone. Mm. You know, you can play a note. Anybody can play that note. Right. How do you invest that note with a sense of feeling and a sense of direction? That's what I think Ian is so incredible at as a flautist and as a vocalist, honestly. He's able to give us different types of sounds. And now he's built up such a repertoire that he's able to transition seamlessly in between them. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. He has mastered them both and can combine them fairly seamlessly here. Yeah. Speaking of wind ensemble, the other day I asked Rook, I said, you know, we're probably getting pretty close for you to start thinking about picking up an instrument if you want it. 
what do you think you would want to play if you if you did? Oh no. And he said flute. I said, Oh yeah? Why? Oh, and he no. said, Because I love Ian Anderson and he plays the oh. flute. <laughs> no. <laughs> well I shit you not. He actually said that. That just goes to show that things that you think are things that you think are actually things that your parents thought. Yeah, right. Scary. Scary. Terrifying. Very scary. That's why I'm not going to have any kids. I can't be responsible for the continuation of any of these thoughts. That's why I haven't raised any of my kids. <laughs> Get back in the ditch. I don't have much else to say about this song. Musically, it's in 4-4. Four, four. Yep. I love it. I love the sound of it. Super powerful. We get a fade out at the end. It's a standard fade out. It's there's no cut. It's just yep. it continues to roll with that kind of general like this song is is wrapping up. We probably could p- have put a button on here, but it's got a good fade out as well. The fade out works on this. I love the recurring riff of the so good it's so dirty and good it's nice yeah nick welcome to the halfway mark here we are so fun little thing i was driving down to sebring florida where the spartan race that i did yesterday was Mm -hmm. and my delightful spouse accompanied me it was so cool to get to have them watch my running and my rolling you trained for that rolling for a very long time Oh, I've been rolling. I've been rolling in the deep. <laughs> anyway, at a certain point of the drive, we put on Katie's Christmas playlist. And I said, oh, can I add a song to this? And I added a song from the Jethro Tull Christmas album, which she very patiently listened to. Which one? It was Last Man at the Party. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. And she said, you know, I think I finally figured out why I don't like Jethro Tull. <laughs> okay. And I was like, oh, I'm very interested. Yeah. She's like, because I... I've really been trying to figure it out for years because you like them so much. And you, on our second date, I bought her two albums. And I was like, well, you know, what is it? And she said, well, I'm very much a lyrics first listener to music. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, whenever I listen to Jethro Tull, I can't really hear the lyrics distinctly. And I was like, that is so valid because we've listened to these tracks hundreds of times. Yeah. But often when I'm listening to a Jethro Tull song for the first time, it does take me a while to really hear the lyrics because one, because I'm more focused on the music and two, because the lyrics are so complex. Yes. And because Ian's scansion is so peculiar yeah. that if you aren't sort of initiated to that way of singing and you just listen to something as a one-off, you might think, I can't understand what he's saying. And also, I don't like the music. <laughs> no redeeming qualities, basically. Right, but it was like, ah, that's really interesting. And I think that some of the remasters that Steve Wilson has done have improved a little bit of the mix, so it probably is a little bit easier to hear them, the lyrics. Mm -hmm. But I just thought that was a really interesting kind of outsider perspective on approaching Jethro Tull and why some people may not prefer to listen to Jethro Tull. Yeah, that's super valid. That makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. I mean, the only reason I know... Half of the lyrics that I do know is because I listened to them over and over and over again. And then looked at the album art. Right. Yeah, exactly. Got out your magnifying glass to read the text on the- On the CD. On the cassette. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, folded out the- Yeah, 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 yeah. 
it is an experience in and of itself. And I'm sure that it, it can be, I'm sure that it can be applied to many, many other bands. Yeah. Frank Zappa, for instance. Yeah. Big inspiration for Ian. Yeah. This album, interestingly though, maybe it's a false understanding because I have listened to it so much. This album, I actually do find easier to clock their lyrics. I think it's pretty clear. I think these later albums are on the more clear side. And I wonder if half of that's not just technology. technology, And the other half is just Ian really needing to work his voice in a different way, in which case enunciation Having to is, be yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, very much so. Katie, we'll get you there. What about the instrumentals? Have you tried any instrumentals? On her? No, I need to I need to wait. Yeah. There's a 90-day waiting period before I can play any more tell. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want to push that. I would say try a winter snowscape. That song is so gorgeous. I love that song. It's true. Nick, speaking of winter snowscapes, have we gotten any emails in this winter season? Goodness me, we have. This one came in four days ago. This is on November 30th. We are recording on December 4th. And this is from a new writer in our this is from maple soul sister with the subject of greetings and lot of thanks from me hello maple message dear feckless moms my name is maple i'm 33 and i want to apologize in advance if anything i say seems a bit illogical since english is not my native language I'm writing to you from my home in Israel during a crazy time. Yeah, yes, you are. In the early days of the war, anything small that took me out of the painful reality improved my mood. When the song Nothing to Say was the thing I could most identify with in the midst of the shock and anxiety, a song that never particularly caught my attention compared to the rest of the album, but recently beautifully described the surreal experience of life. Anyway, I've been listening to your podcast before, but I returned to it recently following that specific song. Initially, it was very challenging to follow your tendency to change accents and enter different characters and scenes. (laughs) I still encounter words that are beyond my language, but it's good to practice and learn. I have a YouTube channel where I post covers of my favorite songs from JT that has become very popular, and I receive a lot of feedback. Oh, cool. A very common one is that it's exciting to see that a young person like me sparks interest in their music after many years. And it's both exciting and nostalgic. I read comments that remind me of those you read on the podcast about encounters with a band that changed lives, similar to my story a band and an inspiring artist person who turned me into a musician. Hmm. In Israel, I have only met one person so far whom I can confidently say is a bigger fan than me. Mm. It's always a pleasure to try, each time with the same enthusiasm, to share the excitement with someone who heard a song from one of the less famous three. It's always the same frustrating negative answer, but I still try. I'm assuming, what, locomotive breath, aqualung. Oh, oh, oh. Bungle, maybe? Probably bungle, yeah. Due to being a fan of the esoteric old school from a distant land, you're forced to develop a life mission to introduce people to songs they will never know and give them the respect they deserve. Thanks from the bottom of my heart for sharing the madness with me and making it look a bit more reasonable these days, along with some comforting moments of escapism. Maple, thank you so much for writing in. First of all, your English is much better than many quote-unquote native speakers of English. That's funny, because when I responded, I said, I'm used to broken English because I have to talk to you often. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, ha, ha. (laughs) 
Second of all, I'm so glad that the podcast is bringing you some moments of reprieve from the yeah. difficulties that are being experienced over in that part of the world. Our ardent wishes that peace will return in some form. Yes, absolutely. Salam and shalom. Also, be uh, we'll be we'll have to check out some of the. Uh, have you looked at the YouTube videos? I did. She's pretty darn good. I really liked her slow marching band. I think she did one, and um, there was another one. I'll drop the link in the show notes. I really recommend. She does it all acoustic. It's it, she like she encompasses my favorite part of Tull is the the beautiful acoustic guitar. It's really oh, really acoustic lovely. guitar. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's great. It's great stuff. Yeah. So thank you again, Maple. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, welcome back to the second part of the podcast. This is the bit where we talk about the lyrics of the song. That's right. I think we are, I think we fall pretty safely into, what did Ian call it? A boy-girl song? Is it? Is that what he said? Boy-girl relationship theme, I think. Boy-girl relationship theme, yes, yes. This is not love. Winds howled, rains spit down all these nights playing precious games. Cheap hotel in some seaboard town closed down for the winter and whispered names. Winds howled, rains spit down, all these nights playing precious games. Cheap hotel in some seaboard town closed down for the winter and the whispered names. This is an interesting kind of selection of images mm -hmm. that I feel is being presented to us in a bit of a snapshot fashion. Okay. Rather than laying out a full, here's the time and place where we are. It's interesting because I get a very specific time and place. Okay. <laughs> to me, this feels like one of those regular, like, well, we're at this podunk town on tour. And here we go. See, that's why to me, this doesn't exactly strike me as a boy-girl song. Okay. This strikes me as a the dissatisfaction of life on the road song. Mm, okay. All these nights playing precious games. Now that could equally refer to games of love, les jeux d'amour. Not to be confused with le jus d'amour, which is love juice. <laughs> but that's what I get from it. Mm -hmm. That sense of like, oh, we finally made it to the hotel and the hotel freaking sucks. And we get some more hotel imagery later on in the album. Mm. The weather's terrible and you have to unload all your equipment out in the rain. Some town that isn't even worth naming. I feel like this is, yes, I see where you're going, but I also feel like this is one of those, I'm in a band and I hook up with a girl in some little podunk oh. town. This is not like, oh, I met you across the way and... I leave my heart with you and I have to go on to the next town. This is like, well, there's nothing else to do. Everything's closed for the winter. This isn't love. Right. Could this be, oh, the weather's awful. The food's worse. The hotel, the accommodations are bad. I guess you'll do for the night. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The commodity of lovers is as bad as everything else, but, yes. you know. Literally, literally any port in a storm. Yeah, literally. Wow, wow, wow. That's so wow. funny. Normally, you're the one that's like, oh, this is sex. This is this is sex. Absolutely sex. Cheap day return, sex. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, no, but what about puppies, though? Winter snowscape, sex. The puppies in the snow. Speaking of which, puppy dog waves on a big moon sea snap our heels half-heartedly. Puppy dog waves on a big moon sea snap our heels half-heartedly. I've got a velvet mandagreen there. Please. Yeah. 
is it a bear? Is he shaking his hair? Is it Velvet Mondegreed? I always thought it was puffy, dark waves. Puffy, dark waves. That makes sense. Which also makes sense, yes. So I think that makes more sense than puppy dog. But also puppy dog in the sense of when you're in love with someone, you follow them around like a puppy dog. Yep, yep, yep. yep. And that's a common phrase as well, puppy love. Yeah. I think that conceivably, and I don't have this confirmed, but conceivably puppy dog waves or puppy waves could be an actual term for a type of wave. Mm, That's possible, yeah. There's all kinds of terminology for waves. Cat's paws. You could imagine, you know, a puppy dog wave and and a wolf wave, big dog wave. I googled puppy dog wave, and it's just images of dogs doing this. <laughs> yeah. Now, we need to find some old sailor and yeah. get him to tell us. Oh, I know what a puppy dog wave is. <laughs> Took my love to see. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think in this sense, a puppy dog wave is, it's nipping at your heels. Like, it's right there. Oh, yes. Yeah. And- on a big moon sea. So there's the implication of a big moon over the mm. sea being romantic, but also the waves of love are so small in proportion to the size of the moon, which mm. is controlling the tides. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Snap our heels half-heartedly. That makes me think of Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz saying, I'm going to click my heels three times to say to go home. Did you not ever think that? No, because it's referring to the puppy dog waves snapping at the heels. Pu- oh, <laughs> Oh my God, puppy dog waves snap our heels half-heartedly. Yeah. Wow. I like, okay, that line is why I thought this was so much about the life of being on tour. Like, oh yeah, we hate being on tour, but we also are only half-hearted about going home. I love this interpretation. And honestly, there's But it's wrong. No, 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 no. I don't think there's anything here to concretely say it's not right. No, it is. It isn't. I t- I'm totally in your camp because <laughs> because the line is puppy dog waves on a big moon sea snapper heels half heartedly. It's the puppy dog waves that are doing the snapping. That's very very funny. I think they could feasibly be separate, even though in the writing in there it's a full sentence. Even though it's a s- sentence break, snap is not capitalized. Yeah, it's a line break. Yeah, it's a line break, not a sentence break. So how, what do you make of the line and how come you know better than me that this is not love? No, this is not love. My thought is either there's still some romantic in the narrator. Mm. It's not quite dead yet in the narrator. Or the fact that this is such a crummy little town, but for some reason, it, because it's a sailing town, it's a port, right? Or it's frequented okay. by by bands or or traveling. Sure. Like this woman is accustomed to this, like, well, I'll go be a bed warmer. Wow. She's used to like having this experience. I wonder what those towns are. and If we can go there <laughs> when we tour Europe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe there's something. What I love about this whole album and this song in particular is the cynicism the sort of delight in cynicism. Yeah. Maybe it is that rock star who's saying, oh yeah, I'm g- I get me a piece in every town I go to. But the quote unquote piece in question is as much using him. Oh, sure. Yeah. And he's like, wait, but wait a minute. I thought I was the one using. Oh, yeah, I'm being used. Right. Yeah. How come you know better than me? Yeah. 
Wow, I thought I was the pro here. Yeah, exactly. I'm supposed to be the jaded, broken one, and I'm the glorifying experience that you can tell your friends about. And it's the exact opposite. Right, right. His world is shattered because of that. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, look, I had Mick Jagger last week. Yeah. I'm sorry, what's your name again? What do you play? Jethro Toe? The flute? Sure. Who plays the flute? Fine. Whatever. (laughs) I bet you've got an acceptable embouchure. (laughs) We'll deal with it. My dance card opened up. Empty drugstores, postcards freeze, sunburst images of summer's gone. Empty drugstore, postcards freeze, sunburst images of summer's gone. Yeah, this reminds me of Blackpool. A little bit, yeah. Where the nice weather is only so much of the year and the rest of it, you're selling these pictures of the nice sunshine and you look outside and it just doesn't match up. Yeah. I think I see us in those promenade days before we learned October's song. Think I see us in these promenade days. So the other thing that this makes me think of is a relationship that's gone on past its expiration date. Mm-hmm. I love this song because you can see it in so many different lights. It's like a diamond with a thousand faces. Yeah. It's like a cubic zirconium. Zirconia. It's like a cubic zirconium. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that single line is the one that's like, mm. well, I mean, I guess it really does fit with the, the theory of like, just for the briefest of moments, he's seeing what this could have been. Oh, sure. Yeah. Or maybe he's seeing what he thinks that she is seeing. Like he's trying to picture what she ought to see. Or he's trying to rewrite the memory as it's happening mm, to like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This, but a nicer bedspread. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before we learned October's song. So October is autumn. Things start to die and the season yeah. change. It gets colder. It's the tail end of the, the tourist season for something like this. Like if we're thinking Blackpool, we're talking about the, the sure. boardwalk and things, you know? So yeah, there is that romanticization of the promenade days. So promenade is what? To like walk out and present yourself. Sure, yeah. So promenade days of a relationship would be the honeymoon period, right? Yeah, or we're just walking on the beach in the sunshine. But same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This could equally refer to... The band, a band, a fictional, let's say, band who's been on tour past the point where people are interested and they're like, oh, yeah, here's the picture of us playing to a, you know, a 40,000 seat crowd. And now we're playing to a 2,000 seat crowd tonight. Yeah. And we're remembering the promenade days. Right. We were in this exact same auditorium 20 years ago and we sold out. And now it's half. Now we can only get a booking in October. Yeah. Oh, that's really good, too. Out on the headland, one gale-whipped tree. A lot of headland references in Tull this decade. Yeah. Out on the headland, one gale-whipped tree. Curious, head bent to see. Out on the headland, one gale-whipped tree. Curious, head bent to see. That is one of my favorite lines of all Tull. Tell me more. Just the poetry. Like I, the, Headland is such a great word, first of all. Gale-whipped tree. Yep. It instantly gives you an image There's no misinterpretation here. Like, you get it, Mm -hmm. but you can still interpret it further. Like, what is the gale-whipped tree? And then to add on, curious head bent to see, is that tree bending its head as if it's curious and looking at you? Yeah, exactly. Or are you looking at that tree? And uh, Indeed, who is looking at whom? And is the tree, some lady walking down the road, bent against the wind? Or are you the tree that is standing out on this lonely headwind, 
way past the point where you should have stopped touring, but you're just out there in the wind because you can't uproot yourself anymore and you have to take it. Yeah. It reminds me a little bit of the imagery in the Aeneid where Aeneas has decided to leave Dido and leave Carthage to go do his ultimate mission of founding Rome. And she goes totally nuts and eventually burns herself on a pyre. But there's an image where it describes her railing against uh, Aeneas as a, as a storm mm. and Aeneas standing like an oak tree that no matter how strong the wind blows, it won't be blown over. And this kind of reminds me of that like immovable force, Im- irresistible object. I cannot resist this object. That's the kind of object I want to be. (laughs) Yeah. There's something in this song that speaks to me of inertia, Mm. where you're doing a thing and you're like, the reason that I am doing this is totally gone. Yeah. Muscle memory. Exactly. Mm. Love muscle memory. Not love muscle. This is not love muscle memory. This is not my love muscle. Do you love muscle memory? Or is it the memory of a love muscle? Or a loved muscle. That's the name of your autobiography. Memory of a love muscle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sold. In print. So then we get kind of more of the same. You know, it's as if this story is repeating, perhaps. There's something cyclical about it. Mm -hmm. Or there's a sense of coming back and being like, oh, you know what? And another thing. Down to the sad south, smoky plumes mark that real world city home. Down to the sad south, smoky plumes mark that real world city home. Oh my god, I just I love the lyrics. I love how it's written. The poetry in this is is really good. The south of England, or if you went south from Blackpool, you'd end up in more industrial towns. Or if you left Scotland and headed south, you'd head to smoky industrial towns. Mm. Or if you headed south from anywhere on the East Coast of America, you would run into industrial towns somewhere. That's true. Yeah. Especially in the 90s. Broken spells and silent gloom ooze from that concrete honeycomb. Oh, my gosh. Broken spells and silent gloom ooze from that concrete honeycomb. A city shut down. Whether it's the factories are no longer working or they're shutting down for the season. Despite this rain and this whipping wind, there's still like a little fairy tale. There's still a little romanticizing of where he is. And he can see the real world in the distance, which happens to be something of an industrial town with smokestacks. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that it's broken spells, you know, maybe that sense of like, oh, I can remember both how I used to see the city when I was. Enchanted by it, to use a magical word, and I can see it as it really is, and kind of having that double vision. Yeah. It makes me think of the word glamour. A glamour is to. That's the. Yes, yes. The Fae reference of glamour, it's to put on a facade that is to trick somebody. Usually it's more appealing of a facade. Right. There's a great story, probably a you know book for young readers at some point that I read where somebody gets to the fairy world and they get the ointment mm-hmm. that can, if, if they put it on their eyes, you can see through the glamour, and, but they only put it on one eye. Mm. So they can switch back and forth and see like, oh, that's what the fairies, that's what everyone else can see, and that's what the real thing is. Oh, interesting. Oh, that's clever. I like that. That's kind of what I feel like the song is about, like being able to 
know what the fantasy is and maybe participate in it at will, mm-hmm. but also know that, that it's all fake. Right. It's like present day where like, I wish I had the freedom of imagination and without burden of reality that I had when I was a kid. I can try my damnedest and probably come up with some pretty good stuff. But ultimately, I come back to like, well, gotta go to work tomorrow. Reality, right. Gotta take out the puppy, yeah. Wow, gotta take out the puppy dog waves. So Nick, here's a question. Mm -hmm. If this is not love, what is it? Reality. I think straightforward, it's reality. I think it's being aware of the current situation, being aware of everything that has led up to this point and where one needs to go after this, back home to that town with the the broken spells and the the concrete honeycombs. Hmm, Interesting. I don't think there's even an attempt at romance here. It's this is how it is. I imagine it to be necessity. Sure, yeah. You know, I used to go to this town because I love it. And now I'm going into this town because of necessity, because of kind of muscle memory, like we talked Mm -hmm. about. Yeah. Muscle memory, but also I have to pay off the Porsche. Yeah. You have to pay off the salmon farm. The salmon Porsche. I should never have gotten a Porsche manufactured salmon farm. (laughs) A a Porsche for every salmon. (laughs) Or a salmon, a salmon colored Porsche. That's the future that liberals want, Nick. I just want a chicken in every pot. They want a Porsche for every salmon. (laughs) They want a salmon in every Porsche. (laughs) Nick, anything else to say about this song, This Is Not Love? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think we uncovered far more than I was expecting. I really do love how much we, we mixed up this jambalaya here. In closing, the final thing that I will ever say about this song is that what makes it so successful in my mind is that it's not just a cynical song about, yeah, everything's bad. Mm -hmm. There is a delight Mm -hmm. coming through the singing and the music about how disenchanted the character is with the life that they're experiencing. That juxtaposition does it for me, and that's what this whole album is about for me, is that it's the blues, Everything's bad, and I'm going to sing about it, and it will make you feel so good, and that will alleviate everyone's suffering. Mm. That's what the blues is about. I like that. And that's what I think this album and this song successfully capture. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's good. That's real good. Chicken in a can. Omen, you know this album like the back of your hand. Tell me, what's next week? Well, Nick, we are all kinds of animals coming here. Occasional demons, too. (laughs) Next week is Occasional Demons, another fantastic song. I'm just looking at the track list here, and I know there's not a single song that I'm kind of like, meh. I I mean, we'll do it, but like, meh. I'm very much looking forward to every single one of these songs. Every single one of these songs slaps so hard. So hard. I'm prepared to be slapped. 
multiple times on this album. Oh my God, there's an amazing picture of Ian that is in reference to Still Loving You Tonight. From where? On Silent Singing. Was that the nude one? Oh, close enough. He's not quite, yeah. There's one where he's like nude in a garden and it's it's him from behind. You see his ass. What? Yeah, I don't remember what song that's, that is. I'll see if I can find it. There it is. It's at the very end. It's for Botanic Man. It is. It's page 259. Very, very end. The naked gardener with watering can early morning. The earlier bird catches the worm and the early worm is discreetly hidden from view. The vegetable garden and plant nursery oh, is no. a tranquil spot at all hours, but magical at dawn and dusk brings out the dormant hippie in a grown man. Oh, no. That is the tuchus of Ian Anderson. He looks like he's clenched. Oh, he's, he's definitely tense. When's the last time Ian Anderson unclenched his ass? Let's be honest. He's been carrying a shilling around back there. <laughs> he's had a lump of coal. It's going to be a diamond in about a year. <laughs> Ah, merciful. Until next week, I am whipping a gale tree, Omen Thomas said. I am puppy dog waves on a big moon sea, Nick McGill. These are the empty drugstore postcards, the feckless moans. And how come you know better than me that this is talk told to me? How come you know better than Talk Tall to Me? How come you know better than Talk Tall to Me that this is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network?